This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here with Joe Shasky coming at you every week with the best Giants content out there. For more of this Giants content, make sure you're liking, rating, subscribing, reviewing, and all that other stuff that you like to do with podcasts. Uh, so I do want to get into this uh, a conversation that kind of popped up last week about the Giants and the A's. Before we do get into that, though, Shasky, the Giants were in Houston last night taking on the defending champions, led by the possibly the greatest hitter in the American League right now, Mauricio Dubon. Uh, Shasky, Mauricio Dubon, Giants killer. Not the words that I expected to say this year. Well, did you hear what he said in the post game? I did, but why don't let's get into that right now? Uh, what did you? Yeah, why don't you recap kind of what he said and let's get into that. He basically felt like he got the raw end of the deal, and that's not what I really want to break down because I do think he got opportunities. I do think he had chances, and I don't think he's the greatest player. I mean, he's got a lot of flaws, but it felt like to me there was a human element or a lack of the human element regarding Dubon, his playing time, his departure, etc., and. You know, he obviously bunted up, you know, a zillion runs and maybe he feels some kind of way because of that. I don't know. He's probably not the greatest vehicle to deliver this message. (laughs) But let's take a step back. Forget Mauricio Dubon saying that they have a lack of a human element. I think my biggest issue, and it's not analytics versus old school, just the way the Giants have operated the last couple of years. My particular belief, they don't have the human feel. It feels to me like they've lost the human element touch. No, an at-bat in the ninth inning is not the same as an at-bat in the third inning. Now, they will tell you, oh, it's all the same. It doesn't matter. Slate's is coming up no matter what. And it's like, come on, stop being a robot. You know, the way that they yo-yoed guys right before opening day when when uh, I forget the guy's names, fam, Bryce Johnson's uh, family yeah. was going to be there. Happy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like that. That was weak, you know? Like, mm-hmm. really? Did you really? Like, we haven't even seen Matt Beatty this year for the Giants. Was it really worth it? Was all of that no. yo-yoing? I think, he had hours? A, I think he had a position player on the mound inning. That was that was about all we really got from Matt Beattie. So no, I'm glad that we could you know leave Matt Bryce Johnson off the roster there. But like, I, do you see what I'm saying? Like, no, and I again, I'm not I'm not anti I'm not anti data. Don't like that has always been a part of the game. But you also have to acknowledge that you feel as a Giants fan very disconnected to the constant roster movement transactions, the constant tinkering with the 23rd, 24th, 25th man. And yes, I believe that you can get marginally better on those things. But at the same time, you're wearing me out like you're wearing. I have no attachment emotionally to any of them. And I do feel when a player says this, even of the caliber of Dubon, you got to think. 
that other veterans around the league are saying, why would I want to go play for a feelless class, not classless, but a feelless soulless organization like that, that doesn't care about the individual. I don't know. I, so my, the microcosm of bigger issues. Yeah. So my only counter to that is that, I mean, when Dubon was here, the Giants, they gave him basically three and a half or I guess two years plus two half years, depending on how you want to look at 2019 and 2020. Like he had a lot of opportunity to really establish himself here. And for the most part, I mean, he had moments, you know, he started off two for two against Clayton Kershaw. That was kind of cool. Other than that, though, I mean, there was base running mistakes. There was defensive mistakes. There just wasn't enough offense to really justify working with him. I mean, he talks about, you know, I was really mistreated because of playing time. Bro, you got a lot of playing time. None of us were really that impressed with the playing time that we saw. It was a great story. Grew up a Giants fan. Huge Brandon Crawford fan. Was turning double plays with his childhood idol. Those are cool stories, but cool stories don't put runs across the plate. You know, this is a guy who, more or less, he was a below average hitter. Could he be helping them now? Probably. Is it something that, did he figure something out or did the Astros figure something out? Maybe. I'm trying to, last night, I'm looking at, you know, Dubon's stats. I'm trying to figure out, What's different about him? Was it the the batting stance? He has a new batting stance every week. So I don't know if it's that. The only noticeable difference really is that he's swinging in the zone a lot more and he's missing those pitches in the zone a lot more. Does he have a little bit better uh, command of the strike zone? That might help, but he's still a slap happy hitter. There's not a lot of power there. No, he's barely got any extra base hits right now. I mean, I think he's just off to a hot start and he just, you know, he's just kind of feeling himself right now. Talk a little smack to his former employer after a big win. So I do think, yeah, the human element thing, you're not wrong there, but let's be honest. I mean, Mauricio Dubon, he had a chance to really establish himself with the Giants and it just wasn't happening. Now, would I have given him up for, you know, four days of Mike Papierski? Probably not. But if it wasn't four days of Mike Papierski, it was going to be like 13 days of Kevin Padlow. So either way, you know, it, it just wasn't working out for Mauricio Dubon. Now, Again, as we talk about the human element with the Giants, let's switch over to another uh, story that kind of deals with a not-so-great human element, and that is uh, the relationship between the Giants and the A's. So last week, uh, John Shea, friend of the Morning Rose, wrote an interesting column for the Chronicle about basically saying that when the A's move, you know, some blame belongs to the Giants, which my first thought was like, that seems a little harsh, but not too, uh, you know, you're not, not, not too off base. Uh, the Giants did release a statement after the A's announced their purchasing of land. The statement was the A's are such a big part of the Bay Area baseball history, the East Bay and the greater community. If this comes to be, it will not it will be a loss not only for A's fans, but for all baseball fans, which to me, I read that as all oh, that's too bad. So sad. See you later. Um, Chasky, when you heard when you kind of saw that, you know, the finger being pointed at the Giants, what was kind of your first thoughts there? Well, I think if you put a pie chart together, right, a pie chart of culpability, if you will, and who's to blame on why the A's are moving a big slice is ownership. Mm -hmm. There is a slice for the Giants like that's undeniable, but it's also like, yes, are you in a partnership with them with Major League Baseball? Absolutely. But you're also competitively fighting for extra dollars, fighting for eyeballs, fighting for market share. So from a business standpoint, everybody says, oh, of course, Starbucks, or excuse me, of course, the Giants should let the A's move to, you know, spot A. 
would Starbucks allow Pete's Coffee to take up prime real estate that they own particular zoning territories to? No, no business mm -hmm. would. No one else would, right? Like you're not giving up mm -hmm. a part of your backyard that you're using currently or not using currently to your neighbor without financial compensation or unless you deemed it to be an important business part of your uh, business strategy for your business, right? So like to me, yes, the Giants do deserve blame to some degree, but that's to be expected. Right now, the Orioles and the Nationals are fighting over market share. And a lot of owners are pissed off that the Nationals were allowed to kind of invade the Baltimore television market and kind of cripple the Baltimore Orioles when it comes to viewership. Now, Baltimore is at fault for not fielding a good team for what felt like 15 years. So it's never one thing. There's many layers to this. I do feel like the Giants deserve some blame, but at the same time, it's not personal. It's business. Yeah, I think this is this is kind of one of those situations where the you have the intersection of where the sport of baseball meets the business of baseball. Uh, I want to do just a quick history lesson here and see if I can do this within a minute. Basically, the, the A's and the Giants, there's always been kind of a butting of heads here. They moved here in the late 60s. Charlie Finley moved the A's here. And that rubbed, you know, current Giants owner Horace Stoneham the wrong way because Stoneham wanted the Bay Area to himself. Mm -hmm. He comes here, A's win a bunch. Giants, Stoneham, Empire Falls, that leads to Bob Lurie. Eventually, Charlie Finley, who was not really well-liked, he sold the A's to the Haas family. And Lurie and the Haas family, they really got along very well with each other. And this is where things kind of start to go downhill for the A's, is that when Lurie was on the precipice of moving the Giants out of the Bay Area, Walter Haas gifted the San Jose Territory, the Santa Clara County Territory, to Bob Lurie as way, hey, Put a ballot measure in San Jose. See if you can get your stadium down there and we'll keep these two teams in the Bay Area. That measure failed. It was a handshake agreement. And when that measure failed, Lori sold and the Giants eventually built the ballpark at Third and King that we know and love now. But the issue was this was a then, of course, really quick. Then Hodds eventually sold those sold the A's to Steve Schott, who then eventually sold the A's to Lou Wolf and John Fisher. Here's the thing now, that handshake agreement about Santa Clara County, it wasn't binding to future parties. It was an agreement between two owners at the time that the McGowan ownership group and the Steve Schott, Lou Wolf, John Fisher ownership groups were not really bound to. So when it came time to, hey, we need San Jose back, the Giants were under really no obligation to return that territory. This was basically... The A's made a business, made a, a, a friendly gesture that the Giants turned around into a business decision. And exactly. that's kind of the, the unfortunate reality of it. Let me ask you this. Would Joe Lakeup let the Kings move to Oakland? No, he would not. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Exactly. It's just it's it's it becomes business. And that's the ugly side of it. Like, Maybe I mean, it be that way, but it's, it's the truth. Would yeah. would would the Yankees would the Yankees allow the, the Florida Marlins right now to move into Brooklyn? No. And I think this is where that <laughs> whole kind of crazy concept of territorial rights really kind of yes. rears its ugly head that a lot of people don't like. Uh, you know, shot in his book, Long Shot, that uh, John Shea helped him wrote. He kind of talks about the whole concept of territorial rights. 
basically he says the whole thing about territorial rights is a fugazi or a fugazi, a wizzy wazzy, however you want to put it. He actually put an interesting thought where he mentioned something I thought that was kind of interesting. And that was, it wasn't supposed to, when the A's were trying to move to San Jose, it wasn't just going to be, hey, give us San Jose back. There was a deal for the A's to cede parts of the East Bay over to the Giants in exchange. It was not just to give me San Jose back. It was it was going to be, there was going to be a trade there the Giants were going to come away with. This was about, you know, 13 years ago. And the Giants, basically, they they were not on board with that. They truly feel that they need San Jose. Uh, Larry Bear said this back in 2011. Uh, the South Bay is a core piece of our business model when we bought this team. We based much of our entire business strategy on Santa Clara County being a piece of our territory. And I don't think it is overstating it to say that allowing another franchise into our territory would set a dangerous precedent and have a traumatic effect on this franchise. If we were to go down to two and a half million in attendance, We'd be in the in the poop, he said. He didn't say poop. Uh, this franchise would be completely destabilized. So for me, the question is, is baseball willing to have two teams receiving money from the revenue sharing pool or one that is so financially healthy that it paid $30 million into it? You see, it is a priceless thing. They truly see San Jose and the Santa Clara County as being a major source of revenue for themselves. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's the excuse that, that the Giants and Larry Bear we're standing with, and that kind of set the stage for the whole lawsuit that happened between San Jose and Major League Baseball that was eventually dismissed. Add in the fact that Selig has always, Bud Selig, who was the commissioner at the time, was always kind of hesitant to really get into the territorial rights waters because that's a dangerous precedent. The whole point of why the Giants were able to keep San Jose is, well, if they lose their territorial rights, what's to stop the Yankees from losing theirs or the Cubs Mm -hmm. from losing theirs? So That's been my point the entire time. Yeah, it's so it's 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 a tough situation. Yes, it is. Giants deserve blame and that they would not get out of the way. Sure, there were no obligation to. And honestly, sorry, that also takes the onus off of the A's. Like to me, it takes too much of the like they deserve the bulk of the blame. Yes, the Giants do deserve a slice. I'll listen to that. But there's also like I'm a capitalist and I believe in business first. You know, that's just how I run my life. And so. I don't knock the Giants. That is a key part of their business strategy. Like it's undeniable having people from the South Bay and the Peninsula that are the largest territories in the Bay Area come up to Oracle Park is a big part of their business strategy. Why would they give that up? Exactly. I mean, this is again, it's it's becomes to it comes down to business. And the fact of the matter is the A's made a Bad business decision. And you know what the now, irony is? Yeah. Had had the A's built a stadium 15 years ago, think about where they would be right now. Mm-hmm. Think about where the Giants would be. You're seeing bad attendance, and the Giants have a beautiful park and three championships, right? It mm-hmm. was just eight, nine years ago, and the ballpark is empty. Imagine how many people would say, you know, instead of the, the, the 12,000 that are there now, maybe it's 4,000 in a Giants game, and the A's are getting that extra 8,000 that would go to a Giants game, but instead want to stay in the East Bay or are coming from San Jose to come up. Like, yeah. They had, they didn't have to just be in San Jose. They could yeah, have been it, anywhere on that you know, side. You know where the A's could have been? A Coliseum Plus, site. Yes. You know what the fact of the matter is? They never have given the Coliseum exactly. site a shot. Lou yes. Wolf was trashing it long ago. You had Fisher trashing it. Steve Schott was even trashing it. That is a huge plot of land. And you're going to tell me you're going to look at that massive plot of land and say you can't do anything with it? It's not that hard to get to. You got Bart right there. A's fans have been going to it for years. You know, people's like, oh, well, that's a really lousy part of town. Shasky, 
you're old enough to remember what, you know, the Soma neighborhood was like uh, pre-Oracle Park. Was it a hopping neighborhood down there? No, not at all. But I think there was a civic business partnership between the Giants and the city to make it work. And both parties delivered on that, right? Like mm -hmm. the Giants put together competitive teams. They didn't win at all. Competitive teams. And the city put beautiful infrastructure around it. And business went booming. Like it was, it really is the greatest civic team partnership that I can think of in my lifetime. Yeah. So before we move on, I guess just one last question. We can try to make it quickly. Is the Bay Area big enough to support two baseball teams? Because we've seen already that's apparently not big enough to support two football teams. Is this, is it just, maybe it's just the Bay Area is too small. I don't know, man. Our spending habits, like right now, times are really hard. Like we're in a depression. People don't want to admit it. Like they can say, uh, you know, oh, we're, we're tapering back a little. No, no, no. We're in a depression right now. And I think in the Bay Area, more than any other place, extra dollars are thinner than ever before. So I don't know if it can currently be a two-team model. And Bonte and I have argued about this. And at, at one time in the early 2000s, they had about 5 million fans combined. And that felt very, very thriving. That's the only time in the last 60 yeah. years since the A's have moved that it was over 5 million for the combined. I just think that one team will always be the dominant and the other will be the bottom feeder. It's very difficult for both teams to be good at the same time. It's very difficult for both teams to be good, period. Let yeah. alone both be good at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the Bay Area, it is the smallest two-team market behind uh, Chicago, New York, and L.A. And I mean, when you say it might be the most transient of all of those, given how young the demographic is and how difficult it is to raise families out here? Oh, yeah. You got a lot of Bay Area natives who move out of the area, exactly. who move from out of the area into the Bay Area. It's, it's a very different demographic, socioeconomical makeup that you don't really see in other major cities like this. And, yeah, that could just be the, the unfortunate rub is that at the end of the day, this this town might be too small for the two of us.